Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today is episode 96, and I want to talk about pagans, saints, and Hallmark, and the origins of Valentine's Day. But before I get into today's episode, I want to just play a quick clip from The Office talking about different ways of celebrating Valentine's Day. My perfect Valentine's Day? I'm at home, three cell phones in front of me fielding desperate calls from people who want to buy one of the 50 restaurant reservations I made over six months ago. Anybody can be Prince Charming one day a year with the dinner and the flowers and all that. But you know what impresses me? When a guy can do that no days a year. Flowers, diamonds, three-course meal, violinist comes to my table to serenade me. Pizza, soda, the moon, someone to share it with. So how do you celebrate Valentine's Day? Well, maybe you celebrate it like one of the, the folks from the office. But however you celebrate it, well, at the time of the recording of this podcast, you got a week left to figure it out. So, gentlemen, let me encourage you, act now. <laughs> act now before it's too late. But, you know, every February 14th, Valentine's Day comes around, and it's generally regarded by many as a time to celebrate love romance, and, well, everything that goes with it. For some, it's a time to pull out all the stops with one's romantic interest. Yet, for others, it's just another day that ends with why. Whatever your level of enthusiasm is, however, for the holiday, in today's podcast, I want to discuss the historical origins of Valentine's Day and what we can learn from its development throughout the centuries. We'll look at its pagan origins, its saintly baptism, and the sappy, sentimental hallmarkification of it all. I don't know if that's a word, hallmarkification, but if it's not, uh, well, I'm going to add it to my spell check just the same, right? Um, so let's talk about the first, the pagan origins of Valentine's Day. It's kind of interesting. If you want to check out the show notes at jimmystable.com for episode 96, I have some links in the bottom of the show notes uh, to a couple of sources that I source out. So if you want to read about it a little more in depth, uh, check it out. But regardless, the first hallmark uh, was beat to the punch by the pagans. Back as far as the 6th century BC, um, from February 13th through 15th in Rome, there was this pagan festival that they celebrated in ancient Rome by the name of, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, so forgive me, uh, Lupercalia, Lupercalia, Lupercalia. Anyway, Lupercalia. I'm going to say that and stick with it. So, uh, you can pronounce it if you want to differently. <laughs> but anyway, it was this fertility festival, um, that was made to celebrate Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture. In addition to being a time to celebrate the founders of Rome. At the beginning of this festival, priest, uh, of the order of Lupercalia, Lupriki, or however you want to say it. I'm going to struggle with it. I'm going to let you do it. 
Um, but anyway, the Order of Luprici, Lupriki. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with that. Anyway, uh, they would gather together in this sacred cave where it was said the infant founders of Rome were believed to have been cared for by a so-called she-wolf. And the priest would sacrifice at this cave a goat for fertility purposes, and they'd also sacrifice a dog for a purification ritual. Poor puppy. (laughs) Then the priest would strip the goat of its hide, dip those strips in sacrificial blood, and take them to a town, and gently start slapping women as well as the crops and the fields, with this goat's hide. Women, however, weren't creeped out by this. Instead, they welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. And then later in the day, all the young women of the city would place their names into a giant urn, and from this giant urn, a lottery would take place. And the city's bachelors would gather together and take turns choosing a name. And whoever they picked from this giant urn, that's who they would be paired with for the coming year for for breeding purposes. And as a result of this ritual, though, many of these pairings ultimately resulted in marriage. Well, that sounds like a a different take on dating. (laughs) I wonder if they they were able to swipe left back in those days. Anyway, I digress. So, from there, after this, this carried on for a number of centuries until we get to the 5th century AD, in which this Lupercalian holiday had kind of devolved into nothing more than a bunch of drunk people running around naked trying to pick one another up. Well... The Pope really didn't like this all that much, and in order to try to clean up society and the church a little bit, Pope Gelasius I outlawed the celebration of Lupercalia and replaced it instead with Valentine's Day. Now, this holiday has a couple different Catholic saints that have been associated with it, and there's a couple different kind of cool legends. Um, So whichever one ends up being right, who knows? Um, We're happy to have them both, I think. One legend contends that there was a priest in the 3rd century named Valentine. During his life, Emperor Claudius II decided single men made better soldiers than soldiers who had wives and families. Kind of makes sense, right? And as a result, he outlawed marriage for young men. He, He wanted them to serve in the armed forces. Rome was struggling And so he didn't want them to be distracted by the the worries of domestic life back home and loved ones. However, Valentine, the priest, found this law unjust and decided to defy the emperor. And he continued to perform marriage ceremonies in secret. However, this was eventually discovered and Valentine was put to death by beheading. Another legend says that there was another man also named Valentine who may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape from prison where they were often beaten and tortured for their faith in Christ. Valentine was caught eventually and imprisoned as a result of trying to help all the Christians get out of jail. And while in jail, though, it is said that Valentine fell in love with a young woman who regularly came and visited him. And before his death, it is said that Valentine wrote her a letter signed, 
from your Valentine. <laughs> I don't know which of those two stories I like most. They both have... One has a very sacrificial, heroic aspect of it. Another has, you know, kind of a cheesy element to it, yet sacrificial in nature. But either way, we see that the Valentine holiday had kind of metamorphosized from this pagan holiday to something a little more saintly. And then come by the 14th century and time passing by, Valentine's Day started in England and France to become associated with the beginning of the mating season for birds. And eventually, out of celebration of all this and the changing of the seasons, people would start sending each other Valentine's greetings. The oldest known Valentine is still existence today and comes from 1415 when Charles, Duke of Orleans, wrote to his wife while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London. I've kind of noticed a theme here, haven't you? <laughs> Being locked up in jail gets love on your mind, right? Um, and then several years later, it is said that King Henry V hired a writer to compose a valentine for his love, Catherine of Valios. Later, Chaucer and Shakespeare would eventually romanticize the holiday and their different works and help to make it become more popular throughout Britain and in Europe in general. Eventually, during this time frame, handmade paper cards would start becoming popularized during this time, and people would exchange them. And by the middle of the 18th century, it became a common thing for people to exchange small tokens of affections along with notes. And the first mass-produced card was made in the 1840s by Esther Howland, who has been called the mother of the Valentine. And by 1913, Hallmark Cards of Kansas City, Missouri began mass-producing Valentine cards and uh, forever changed the world. Yippee, right? According to the Greeting Card Association, it is estimated that 145 million Valentine's Day cards are sent out each year, making it the second largest card-sending holiday of the year right behind Christmas, which remains the largest. So what, what can we take away from this historical thing? I don't want to just give you guys a history lesson. I want, I want to give you something you can chew on a little bit, a little something that might make the Valentine's Day holiday a little bit more redeemable for you and something that you maybe actually might learn to enjoy if you don't already enjoy it fully. Um, I find this history of Valentine's Day fascinating. And in it, I think we see three different expressions of love. We see what is called the eros, or in Greek, erotic form of love that is built into the origins of the pagan holiday. It was steeped in the pagan fertility rituals that tapped into this raw and primal nature of love and all the sex that is associated with it. It is a holiday grounded in our most basic human desire, simply to have sex and to reproduce. And while as a Christian I might not care for the pagan elements of the festival designed to honor a false god or the ways women were auctioned off by a lottery system, I think fundamentally still the pagan origins of the holiday were still chasing after something good. And that is the thing that God gave us to enjoy abundantly as human beings, and that's sex. And when the church attempted to baptize 
this pagan holiday in the Middle Ages, I kind of appreciate what they were after. And if they turned the holiday from one that simply focused on the Eros form of love to the Agape form of love, a love that is steeped in the sacrificial and is ultimately a love that is something life-giving. It's a love that ultimately exemplifies the type of love that Jesus Christ ultimately demonstrated in his giving of his life for our sins on the cross. And then, of course, we have the thing that Hallmark has turned Valentine's Day into. And while many of us might be tempted to cynically look down on such a Hallmark holiday, I think that's kind of unfortunate. For in the depths of all that love has to offer us, whether it's erotic or sacrificial, I think there's a ton of room for the corny sentimentality that Hallmark has to offer us on such a holiday. Yes, I love my wife with the Eros and Agape-type loves, but I also love expressing my love for her in the playful, corny, and stupid ways that are also associated with love. And the Hallmarkification of Valentine's Day offers us, I believe, ultimately the chance to indulge in that playful, cheesy, and whimsical, fun sort of love. So for all of you who hate on Valentine's Day, I just offer this slightly small historical gleaning and devotional for you. Happy Hallmark Holiday. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Lucretius Day or whatever it is. But whatever it is, you know, I hope you have somebody to love and somebody to share that love ultimately with that loves you back. <laughs> so everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey with Jimmy'sTable.com where I'm having conversations on the intersection of faith, life, and culture. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to share it with a friend. Share it with somebody you love. Uh, and be sure to show some love to your boy back here. Uh, you know, leave a, a glowing five-star review on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you may follow this podcast. And be sure to subscribe um, as I continue to make these podcasts on a weekly basis for your enjoyment. So this has been Jimmy Humphrey with Jimmy'sTable.com. If you want to email me, email me, Jimmy at Jimmy'sTable.com. Or if you want to talk to me on Facebook or Twitter, uh, if you go to jimmystable.com, you can find links to both those places as well. Hope you've enjoyed, everybody. Take care. God bless, and happy Valentine's Day. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all. Hey y'all, it's Bridge of Why. Building bridges isn't easy, and sometimes the people that you're trying to build bridges with have different rules of engagement than you do. And it's kind of like war. You're the good guy, they're the bad guys. And the bad guys like to point out when good guys break the rules. Listen to episode 97 of the Wax Museum, where I talk about war and building bridges. The Wax Museum podcast is available on Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.